fucking was wheezing real hard, and I went to three different bathrooms, and they were all fucking locked. And so I just <laughs> fucking bent over and shat on the ground. <laughs> it was like, Did you use a leaf to wipe yourself like when we were camping? It was a fucking fire hose. There was nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> there was like people around, like not a lot, but like you waving at them? Seen me. No, it was a don't worry. It was an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the We Rank Things podcast, a podcast where two lifelong friends reveal and discuss their personal top 10 rankings for various subjects. I'm Connor. And I'm Matt. And today we're going to be talking about the top 10 funniest people. But first, Matt, what are you drinking? Oh, uh, I am drinking a lovely Saison DuPont. Uh, it's a very earthy and kind of wild farmhouse ale. It's light, it's earthy, but it's delicious. Uh, I think it pairs well with some very silly people. What nice. are you what, drinking? What makes something a farmhouse ale? Uh, is there, they, is there milk in it? It mostly is literally just brewed on a farm. Oh, okay. In a, in you know, in that sort of setting, sometimes they have like wild yeast that they just kind of let come in from the countryside. Mm. Uh, so you know, there's an element, there's a wild element to it, something a little uh, pastoral, even. Yeah, I am drinking Topo Chico, uh, sparkling mineral water. Topo Chico. Yeah, sparkling mineral water from uh, Mexico. And they've, uh, they've been around since uh, 1895, I think, or something. It says 125 so when, years, yeah. When you're in Mexico and you want sparkling instead of flat water, that's what you go with. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's yeah, the best. Gotcha. It's refreshing. Mm. <clears throat> so tell us, kind of walk, walk the listeners through what we're thinking about for this list and how it kind of came together for you. Uh, well, obviously, we're talking about the funniest people in our personal opinions, um, and that can be anything from actors to comedians. I actually went a little outside the lines, uh, uh, thinking in terms of other entertainers like musicians. Um, you should definitely follow Lizzo on Instagram if you want to, you know, follow a, a musician or entertainer that's really funny. Um, but yeah, basically considering all forms of entertainment to who makes you laugh the most, who has like made you just break down in tears because you're laughing so damn hard or, you know, like you slipped out a fart because you're laughing so hard and you've been trying to hold it in, something like that. Um, I will add the caveat for my list that I've never watched Portlandia. I'm not really into Curb Your Enthusiasm, mostly because I haven't really watched it. Uh, I hate Jimmy Fallon. So not even going to be considered <laughs> wow. throwing He's shade a from the no talent ass clown. Well, uh, yeah, I'm going to start this off on a negative t- tone right away. Um, and also I'm not really big in most of the modern SNL, but um, I found it really interesting to think of this because, you know, I really wanted to get the scope of like, 
what really makes somebody funny like do you think it's just straight up jokes? Is it is it laughs? Is it different kind? Is it physical comedy versus like stand up comedy? Where did you land on on considering those factors? Yeah, I kind of um, considered everyone as well, and and kind of didn't necessarily try to go outside the box, but I I found myself kind of thinking outside the box about um, you know to me like when I think about a funny movie for example like yes I, I would say most people give like all the credit to the actors but in my mind it's like okay well wait who wrote those jokes you know like who's yeah. the writer behind that and so um especially yeah. coming from like a writing background that i have like i give maybe more credit to the person who wrote the joke you know what i mean because like i feel like there's a lot of movies that are really funny and the jokes stand for themselves, whereas you could necess- you could have subbed out a different actor and it would have been just as funny. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, I found myself kind of thinking outside outside the box a little bit as well. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's an important consideration because it, sometimes it can very much be the writing or the performance that makes it funny, which is a big way that I kind of weeded out some of the actors um, involved in, in this list. Um, and... You know, the ones that I put on here, I feel like they really added to the writing and they put their own flavor to it. They did some things that were either ad-libbed or in the moment that definitely garnered the laughs um, in addition to the good writing. Um, I was also, it, it was really difficult for me to figure out, like, how do you compare different types of comedy and different eras of comedy? Like, I was thinking about like Gene Wilder and Mel Brooks and all those comedies they did together, like Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein is a totally different kind of comedy than like Eric Andre, this bombastic, yeah. like really almost like uh, candid camera sort of things to the extreme. Like how do you compare those or how do you compare like the classic eighties, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, Harold Ramis kind of stuff with like Jackass or Tom Green, even like, right. if, you know, like not to say that, Tom Green's that fucking funny, but uh, you know, the style of comedy or, or the way that he's trying to get a laugh is like total 180 from those uh, 80s comedy guys. No, that's a great point. I think um, it, it's just like anything we do, like right when we when we put together our favorite, you know, top 10 albums, um, we have to, you know, we're ranking hip hop albums with heavy metal, with punk rock, with classic rock, with pop, you know, it's all kind of blended together. So it, it, that really just boils down to like, like these are personal lists. Like this is, this is my top 10, but it also is a snapshot in time. Like I, I know myself and, and, and you as well, I think we both had a hard time, like not only narrowing it down to 10 because there's so oh, many oh, yeah. funny people, but also like trying to figure out the order and who's funnier than who, you know? So yeah, um, and some it was, of these it was people tough. Do writing as well as, as acting or whatever. Right. I mean, and there's a big difference from like, say, uh, you know, an actor delivering lines and also adding their flavor to it versus like a stand-up comedian who's both writing and putting on the show so like maybe do you give extra points because they're doing both sides of it almost completely you know it's yeah. such a hard thing to weigh um was there and, anyone and that's another hold on that's there's another point is just that like because these lists are so personal we're not saying like hey here's who we think the top 10 best you know comedians of all time is right like there's i'm sure there's going to be 
legends left off of both of our oh, lists. Oh yeah, uh, you know, and, and that just most certainly. Yeah, that just goes to show that it's 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 a personal list. It's a snapshot in time. Um, but these are just like the ten funniest people for me right now. You know. Yeah, and well, and I think that like inherently there will be you know some of the legends included to sort of give it that uh uh authenticity to being a you know good list but i for one have a couple that probably will come out of left field now was there anyone you considered that doesn't have to be in your top 10 necessarily that would surprise me because i had a couple that i didn't put on a list but i was like really reaching in a different direction like Uh... brian cox for example really not known for his comedy like a lot he's more known as a serious actor but when he's doing a com- a comedic role it's just so funny like just had me in tears the first time i watched super troopers purely from brian cox's performance yeah yeah i would say um well the 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 person who i most strongly considered who who would probably surprise you is a guy named mark proch proch do you know who that is? Oh, who's he, that? Um, um, he's an actor. He's kind of like a, a smaller, like, um, kind of a bit role actor. He actually had... Oh, like a character actor kind of thing? A little bit. Like, he's kind of on the... He's still kind of on the upswing, I would say. Um, he's in that new show. I can't remember the name of it right now, about, like, the energy vampires. Um, so is he uh, going to be one of those guys who, like... 40 years from now they're going to do a retrospective like did you know he's been in like 150 movies maybe like, these like roles where he's doing something like he was in the, he was in the, the office he was like um nate in the office like dwight's oh, friend yeah so he's he's that guy but but the reason i consider him is because wasn't he on the he, daily show or something too maybe um he used to do these things where he would um convince local morning like television shows like wake up with, you know, Al and Susan or whatever, you know, like the, the small town, like, um, morning, good morning America type shows, you know, he would, he would convince, he would like talk his way onto those by making false claims, like saying like, Oh, I'm, he would basically say he's a yo-yo man. He's case Strass, the yo-yo man. He's going to be performing at these local elementary schools. And and would you like to get the word (laughs) out? And then he would go on there and just make a complete fool of himself. And like, he didn't know how to yo-yo. So they're like, show us some tricks. And he would just like, it was, it was, um, you just kind of like put it down and smack it on the floor and then well, not do anything with it. So they, so he and his, his like writing partner were trying to do like 12 of these, but one of them blew up so much on YouTube that other people, that they like, they kind of got caught. And so they, oh. they had to, they couldn't kinda do like- all 12 of them. Kind of like how Sasha Baron Cohen can't really do a lot of stuff anymore because he has to be in such heavy makeup so that people won't recognize right. him. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but I mean, these were these are ten years old, and like I still find myself watching them today and cracking up because it's just yes. the absurdity of it, and also just the fact that like to to not only like think of that and then pull it off and like stay in character. Like, I mean, he <laughs> he literally does. He literally has one where like. The yo-yo is not connected to the string, so he throws the yo-yo down and it just bounces <laughs> on the floor and rolls away. And he's just standing there on live television, and oh man, it, it kills me! Like it's uh, so funny. His writing partner actually did another one where he went on to uh, a morning talk show, like the day after Christmas or the day after Thanksgiving or something like that, and told people, like, "Hey, I'll show you how to 
use your leftovers to make recipes and just makes these disgusting like oh you just take some ham and some corn and some milk and blend it up into a smoothie and like <laughs> hands it to the woman on, on air and she like drinks it <laughs> or he like takes a uh, like an ice cream cone and puts some mashed potatoes in there and then pour some gravy on there it's like an ice cream cone like they just that's one of the yeah. hallmarks of modern comedy like the like getting people out of their element in a live setting yeah, oh, I mean, it's, it's probably, that's funny shit ever. you know, uh, the closest to like Andy Kaufman that, that we've seen in our generation, you know, so um, yeah, that's yeah. that's a whole different level. Oh, man, you know, I'm really mad that you just said Andy Kaufman because I didn't even get around to like looking at Andy Kaufman. He, he's a weird one for me because he's such an auteur, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like his whole life was basically a performance. So I feel like he transcends comedy in a way that like, I almost don't think of him as a comedian or as a comedic actor. Yeah. Like it's just, yeah. Um, no, that's so, a great point. But there was, there was another one who came up then this was just me. I didn't strongly consider this person, but when I was kind of like, when I started going down like the, like writer rabbit hole and saying like, okay, wait, who are some of the, writers who have made me laugh the most i came across a guy named john schwartzwelder um he's 70 years old now but but he's actually from seattle it says his wikipedia says he was born in seattle he went to high school in renton but in 1983 he was working in advertising and he sent a card with a joke in it to the writers at late night with david letterman and he signed the card but he, he left no contact information. There was no return address. There was no information in there. He just signed it. And one of the writers there um, went to the New York Public Library to use phone books. And he basically started looking through phone books in all the major cities to try and track this guy down. <laughs> no, you're not going to get too close when he lives in Renton. <laughs> and, well, they had a they had the postmark, you know. So I think he, oh, he – gotcha. But I just think about, like, how funny that card must have been to for that guy to go through that effort, you know. Yeah, um, I have to find this dude. So he apparently bombed the interview, but that <laughs> <laughs> but the same writer hired him a few years later to write for SNL. And then he well, did he, that for a year. He And then he got hired by The Simpsons, and he's credited with writing 59 episodes of The Simpsons, more than – anyone else in history um, from seasons one through 15. So that was someone who kind of came up when I was just, you know, um, making sure I wasn't missing anyone or whatever. And I didn't strongly consider him, but it was just such a cool story. I wanted to include that. Well, that's a good segue into starting the list uh, because it seems that one of the hallmarks of being a good comedian and being a funny person is failing and failing miserably. Oftentimes, I mean, that's the rite of passage for comedians, right? It's like you fail a lot before you start really hitting off and and making people laugh with your set. Um, But sometimes that failing can uh, come as a great, comedic moment uh just like a video you should look up of one of of my number 10 uh favorite funny person which is this guy named he goes by the name abath a-b-b-a-t-h uh he's the front man of his own uh black metal band he used to be the front man for a band called immortal um and he basically is is playing in a genre that takes itself way too seriously, but he's always been the one guy who interjects comedy into it or, or is like clowning around. And he's like, come on, people, this, this 
we look ridiculous. Uh, I mean, <laughs> guys with corpse paint and, you know, like a, a leather vest with no shirt underneath walking through the middle of the forest in like, you know, seven inch boots. Uh, and there's a good video of him running down a hill at a, at a, a festival like one of the big open air festivals, like getting to the stage because he's late and he's wasted. And he's running down this hill with his guitar on, like a flying B black guitar, and just totally eats shit in front of everyone. You could watch it on repeat over and over and over. It's just like great. on purpose? No, no, he did he didn't mean to fall down. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there's a, a several really great interviews with him. Uh, Sam Dunn, the guy who runs Banger TV and did Metal Ahead Banger's Journey, which is a documentary all about the history of metal and you know sort of a sociological look at it. Uh, the interviews with him are priceless. I mean, he talks about the crab walk or the demon walk that they do when they're playing, where they have like a really wide stance. Uh, his the best quote is. Um, he said, "He says it doesn't matter how you play; it matters how good you look." <laughs> and he's just—he's uh, just hilarious. He's just a wild man. He's just interrupting questions all the time. He's pounding beers and just being a jackass. And it's really funny. And I also like the fact that he's not a comedic actor or a uh, a comedian. A kind of like outside the box for this list. Yeah. Nice. What's nice. your number ten? Well, yeah. Before I get to my number ten, I—I I just want to say like. <clears throat> I have such a huge respect for stand-up comedy, and I don't think most people realize that by the time you see someone like get their first Netflix special, like those people are typically like ten to fifteen years into their oh, career. They've been through the ringer, right? Yeah, I mean that's why like that's part of the respect I have is I think there's there's like strong parallels between like what you said like learning from failure and just like going through that grind. Like I think there's a, a pretty strong correlation between like baseball and and stand-up comedy and like by the time someone gets to big leagues like they've gone through the grind of the minor leagues they've been through all these small towns they've oh, you yeah. know slept on people's couches and stuff like that like um and so i think you know there's a pretty well, strong lasting parallel you know, between sports and and entertainment it's musicians like, too yeah. but but I, I but what interests me so much about stand-up comedy and i i will say that like um, one of the things on my bucket list is to is to do like five minutes at an open mic or something like that. Oh man, it'll be the longest five minutes of your life. <laughs> I, well, that's that's why I haven't done it yet because I I, I <laughs> don't love the microphone in front of people, you know. But um, but I just I I don't have like delusions of being famous or anything like that. I just want to try it to to say that's I why tried we're it. doing this podcast. <laughs> exactly, but I think. Another thing that I, I often think about in terms of stand-up comedy is just the fact that like jokes are so fleeting. And like if a band writes a hit song, they're gonna play that song until they're dead. You know, they're gonna play, they're gonna become sick of that song. Whereas if you write a great joke and you tell it and then it's on your special, it's it's over. Like you don't go out and like retell that joke for the most yeah. part, you know? So yeah, it's like it's really hard to get the same emphasis on a joke. That's a really interesting comparison. Like, because when you're playing a hit song over and over again, you can still get a lot of the same impact. It seems like for much longer than telling the same joke. It's a right. weird thing that like that uh, emphasis and that effect isn't the same over time. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's always something that I've like 
respected is that like they build this thing up and then it's like that's it you know and then constantly um, reinvent yeah yeah so that's really cool i was lucky enough to go to two comedy shows in 2020 before everything burned to the ground um <laughs> i saw adam Caton holland who's a great comedian from denver um i saw him in phoenix in january when i was down there for uh, a, a baseball tournament and then i saw beth stelling at the crocodile cafe in seattle march nice. 1st right right before everything kind of shut down and and she was um gearing up like she was on on tour and she was finishing up in minnesota where she recorded a, a an hbo special so Whoa, um, nice. that was great they, they were both awesome um my number 10 is norm mcdonald um uh, and I have, very interesting case study in stand-up yeah I, i've always loved norm mcdonald like since junior high um just have always appreciated his very like dry deadpan style um i don't know if there's anyone who does it better in dry and deadpan than he does yeah i mean sometimes he'll even like do like the non-joke joke you know what i mean uh the anti-joke kind of thing but um i love i I, dirty work was a a great movie when it came out you know um really really funny and then and then the one thing i always point people to is um his moth joke that he told like on conan o'brien uh, basically took up his, his whole joke he, t- he took up <laughs> he took up his whole like time slot on conan o'brien it's like a six or eight minute long build-up and i mean um look it up on youtube the, his moth joke on conan but it, it's just him um basically messing with conan and taking up a whole time slot telling one joke <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a funny juxtaposition to like you most you you would see most people going on a night show like that a late night show and they probably want to rattle off like very sequential uh, numerous jokes to get them all in and really get a you know their flavor out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, haven't follow. I mean, I've um, he he's put out so much stuff recently. He's done a podcast. And he's, he's got his own like show that he did for show. a while, right? And I've kind of checked in on those kind of here and there. I haven't followed up with, like, kept up with his career as much as I would have liked. But every time I hear him, he just, I, um, I just love his, like, his take well, his on delivery will get you every his, time, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, and um, appreciate how much he jokes about sports, too, which is kind of rare. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, comedians, especially stand-up comedians, don't always intersect with the jocks, uh, so to speak. Uh, yeah. It's 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 very often a um, a division uh, between the two rather than intersecting. I I recently saw a uh, episode of his show, Norm Macdonald show, where he like it brings in guest interviews, and he did one with David Spade, and it's probably the most all-encompassingly smarmy thing i've ever seen in my life no david spade yes smarmy that's a good way to put it david spade (laughs) is probably the no is absolutely the worst stand-up comedian i've seen perform live (laughs) it was brutal man i came to our college he came to our college and can assume that that makes a lot of sense oh man it was brutal he came to our college and basically his his all i remember from it is he just kept looking at his watch and and saying like 
I, I don't even have to be here right now. They already paid me. I got the check in my pocket already. Oh, it was just man. like, he was just shitting on the town and just, it, it was like painfully obvious. He didn't want to be there. Um, yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> That's brutal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what do you got for number nine? Mitch Hedberg. Oh, um, there you go. I went, uh, unintentionally, kind of went back to back with the dry, kind of deadpan, but um, Mitch Hedberg, you know, his um, flame was was bright, but but too short, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I always, in my head, I always link Hedberg with Stephen Wright. I was just uh, about to say, like, he's... He's got to be somehow a product of Stephen Wright's. Yeah, very similar in terms of uh, delivery and 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 um, one-liners and things like that. And and and, and like I sort always, of like weirdly corny jokes. Yeah, yeah. But I all and I always associate Stephen Wright with you with your basement because I remember one night sleeping over at your house. This was probably eighth grade, ninth grade. And we rented, we went down to the video store, we rented a Stephen Wright stand-up. Oh, man, that's going to date us. And we rented, yeah. Was they it were on DHS? For sure, yeah. Oh, Stephen geez. Wright stand-up, I can't remember what it was called, but we also rented Train Spotting. And my dumbass, we put in Stephen <laughs> Wright first. And for, honestly, like the first half hour, I thought it was Train Spotting, and I'm like, oh, this movie <laughs> takes place in a comedy club. <laughs> <laughs> Unintentionally funny for all the wrong reasons. Oh, so yeah. It's well, so that funny. is a bizarre pairing. I I do remember watching that, but I don't remember Train Spotting being a part of that. That's fucking crazy. And I think, I mean, yeah, we were definitely too young to be watching Train Spotting. I think your dad came downstairs and saw like someone shooting heroin and was like, uh, "Turn this shit off," you know. <laughs> um, but no, uh, Mitch Hedberg. Comedy. I mean, he has. Like it's all just little for the most part, it's just little one liners, but he like they stick with you. Like there's things I still find myself saying to this day. Like whenever I see someone handing out flyers, he always pops into my head. It's like when it, when when someone hands you a flyer, it's like they're saying, Here, you throw this away. You know? <laughs> there's comedy goals in his in his material for sure. Yeah. Or like um I used to do drugs. I mean I still do drugs, but I used to too. <laughs> I mean, just the the play uh, on words and the like. I can make a terrible segue to my number nine from that. Speaking uh, of using drugs, uh, my number nine is Chris Farley. Mm. Too uh, soon, bud. Yeah, and this is why I'm not a comedian. <laughs> uh, so, for totally different reasons, uh, Chris Farley was my number nine, and this was really tough because, like. I thought of people like Sasha Baron Cohen and people uh, like John C. Riley, even who do a lot of like really physical comedy, uh, or at least it's a big part of their act, like making people uncomfortable or just being wild. And, but I don't think anybody has made me laugh more than Chris Farley with their physical comedy and just being ridiculous and going from like kind of almost intimidating. Cause he's a big dude. And like some of his, gyrations are so <laughs> violent that <laughs> yep. like it kind of like you could imagine being a small fry like david spade standing next to him it might be pretty intimidating but then other times he does his little like cheeky little little kid voice or or like you know housekeeping sort of like mm-hmm. things although that's that's david spade line isn't it but you know what i mean like he's yeah. uh like he gets all like there's a spade. very like childlike quality yeah 
And he has such a childlike quality. He's probably the only person on my list who really has uh, that childlike innocence uh, in his, not only his personality, but his, his comedic style. But yeah, I mean, the van down by the river, the lunch lady, all the different things, lay off me, I'm starving. Like so many quotables. How many comedians have like taken his stuff and rolled with it to, to, make their own brand of comedy or like, you know, even written on the back of, of that physical and big guy kind of comedy stuff and really using themselves physically to make you laugh. No doubt. Yep. Yep. Who, uh, who's your number eight? So my number eight is Catherine Hahn. Do you know oh, who nice. Catherine Hahn is? Uh, yeah, from from like Home Alone and Best of Show and Schitt's Creek. No, 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 That's no, no. Catherine no. O'Hara. Oh, Good Catherine. Yeah, is totally she from, different is, person. Is she from uh, uh, Step Brothers? So she, like the yeah. The wife? So Step yeah, yeah. Brothers. She was uh, uh, what's his name? Adam Scott's character, Derek Huff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his the his wife. And she uh, she totally like stole the show in that movie was so funny like she was both like physically funny and her lines are funny her delivery is hilarious uh she's a supporting character in anchorman uh, at least the second anchorman um she's a fantastic actor in that series um that mark ruffalo just won an emmy for um the or an oscar or whatever it was the tv one uh, the uh, I know as much is true. She played the um, the ex-wife. Uh, really okay, great yeah. dramatic role. But when in the comedy she's been, it's just balls out hilarious. Just like you can tell, she puts every ounce into it. Um, she's like uninhibited and just just so funny. Like uh, I had me in tears laughing when she's like so desperate for uh, John C. Riley's character. And just kind of jumping on him, like you, you get the feeling watching it that like John C. Riley almost wasn't even expecting like how aggressive she'd get, and like he's yeah. a little uncomfortable. But then that also <laughs> turns into him like being amused by it, and like it, it's one of those comedic actors that you can tell raises the level of funny for everyone involved. She's got, awesome. got so much energy. Who was number yeah. eight for you? Um, let's see, my number eight is Will Ferrell. Um, I mean, yes, sir. I love his work on SNL, you know, with uh, more cowbell and the cheerleaders and celebrity jeopardy and all that. And then, you know, I would say that he has maybe faded out a little recently, but, but like his stretch in the like early 2000s, I guess, to mid 2000s was awesome. I mean, um, old school. Elf, Anchorman, which he which he also wrote, Talladega Nights, which he also wrote, Step Brothers, which he wrote, um, nice. and then just even some of his like kind of like side characters, like um, he plays like a used or like a car salesman on Eastbound and Down. Oh yeah, that's a great um, role. You know, I, uh, I, mean, the, I had a uh, hard time not including Will Ferrell on the list, but he definitely like the recent stuff where it just feels like it's trying too hard really soured me and like um there's a few things like this the anchorman sequel really left a kind of a shit stain oh yeah uh, that was, was brutal it just it 
they had to work too hard to try to make it work, and then it didn't. But and you, I I agree with you on him being an incredibly funny person from a lot of those roles. I, you know what? Have you ever seen the um, uh, all Spanish language movie that he did? No. I should definitely watch it. It's it's pretty damn funny. It's it's shows a little versatility and it goes in a completely different direction. It's a little corny, but man, he's he's still a funny dude. Do you know of anybody who can keep a straight face like him? I mean, it's crazy when you see him go on these like like go on to talk shows in character, you know, and and just do that. I, um, I that's that's what made Talladega Nights good. I think is like pairing him and Sasha Baron Cohen and. Like they were probably spending the whole time trying not to laugh at each other. Yeah, yeah, or trying no, to make each other laugh. And then you hear stories about like, like him just doing that kind of stuff, like being a character, like for his friends. Like I heard a story about, you know, he went to USC and he, um, he would like, he would have a friend, you know, in class, like in a lecture, and he would dress up as a janitor and just like barge into the class and start sweeping, like behind. <laughs> the professor and like pretending like he's a janitor working and just stay in character. And it was really only a joke for like his friend, you know, like <laughs> probably there were probably, you know, students in the class who thought he was just some clueless janitor, but he was just trying to make like one person laugh like that. <laughs> that awesome. might be his genius is like, he <laughs> brings you in like knowing that not everybody's going to laugh at it, but like for the people that do, it's just, it's unrelenting. It's great. And Bonus points because he's a Seahawks fan. Oh, I think he's more of like a Pete Carroll fan, but I'll slow take it. Oh, clap. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what's or what are we on? Me or you? Number seven. Uh, both of us. Yeah. Say it at the same. No, we shouldn't say it at the same time. Go ahead. You you go ahead. Mine's, seven. Especially since mine is a tie. Oh. Uh, so I had two guys. Uh, one's a comedian. One's an actor. I was trying to figure out if one of them would drop off the list or maybe I could drop one down and cut somebody else off the list, but I just couldn't do it. So I tied for totally different reasons between Simon Pegg and Tom Segura. Tom uh, Segura is my number seven. Hey, we yeah. almost could have said it at the same time. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, well, I'll talk about Simon Pegg and then we can discuss Tom Segura. I like right. Simon Pegg. Well, first of all, my favorite, one of my absolute favorite comedies is Shaun of the Dead. And like the series of movies that him and Nick Frost did yeah. uh, were just so funny. And there's like, I don't know that anybody does the like homage or the um, sort of tip of the hat to genres and and to the thing that they're doing better than those guys and the associated directors like with hot fuzz and uh the end of the world pub or whatever the hell that other one was it's just totally brilliant writing and great delivery he's for me he's like the like quirky guy like on my list like the one who's not like a stand-up comedian he's not like balls up funny and goofy he's like he's a little quirky British, so it helps. It, it adds to the to the flavor, um, but just great delivery, a great actor, and just genuinely uh, makes me laugh in a lot of different ways. Like not only just like being funny and being goofy, but like also in like sad moments or uh, off color moments. Like a really versatile kind of funny. Yeah. But then and when I get wrote, the I just looked up. He wrote. He wrote Shaun of the Dead too. Or, yeah. Or, oh yeah. Was, that was, yeah. Like full creation his interviews about that are, are fascinating because he just like 
he he did so much to make that happen and it's still like the landmark thing for him and he's still proud of it seems a very genuine person which is hard to come across both for an actor and for a famous person but you know i'm still buying in on that uh and then you get to tom segura who is just like raunchy comedy at its finest i mean like the jacking off and shit jokes never get better than with tom segura I'm sure you're going to talk about his podcast with his wife, who is also a fantastic comedian, but just like, man, when it comes to stand-up comedians, there's only one that I'll get to later on who has, I think has better like pacing. Uh, but Tom Segura, like whenever I watch a stand-up special of his, it's like the jokes always come at the exact right times. And like, he doubles down shitty on shitty of like that thing he does where he kind of like warbles back and forth when he says something like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Like it just, his delivery along with that, like sort of pacing quality is just so funny. Yeah. I would say, yeah, he's definitely like my favorite current standup. And I mean, there are still some people on this list who are still sort of dipping their toe in, I guess just one really in terms of standup, but, but he's really kind of like in, what I would say is probably the the peak of his career right now. You know, I mean, he's really, oh, yeah. and just keeps, keeps like growing because yeah, he's got, he's got, you know, I think three Netflix specials out. Um, I think he's got more than that. I think he's got four or five. Okay. I mean, yeah, they're, it's they're all fantastic. Um, and then he's got the podcast, your mom's house podcast, which is, which is awesome. Like he, they've been, do, they, they were like, ahead of the game on that i mean they've been doing that for uh like 10 years i i only Damn. recently found it maybe three years ago or something like that longevity, um man. yeah but but then he also is you know doing another podcast with burt kreischer two bears one cave um so he, <laughs> they I mean, did he's an just, episode on hot ones together yeah yeah he did like a uh what do you call it the the different version of the show where they're both on they have to do like a truth or dare thing oh yeah truth or dab Hilarious. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, he's starting to get into acting a little bit. Like he's really kind of like hitting his stride. He's also um, starting to do stand up in Spanish. Cause he, he's, I was uh, just about to say, like, he is the one guy that I considered where I like, I love that he brings in his Latino heritage or Latinx heritage. Cause like so many of those guys will either, how do I put it? Like they'll either just be pigeonholed or they'll select to be pigeonholed. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, when I think about that, I think about like George Lopez, who I don't think is very funny and like regardless, but his whole shtick is very much tied to like being a Latino man. And it's, yeah. it just comes off as disingenuous. And then you have like Carlos Mencia who like is a problem for many other reasons, but like, right. The Latino part of them, it's it's maybe almost kitsch or like it just comes off as like you're trying to push that button too hard. But I yeah. love that Tom Segura, it just comes in organically and like it actually feels like a you know natural part of him. And, and he again, the pacing is great. He brings that in at all the right times to like like this is where I turn on speaking Spanish as part of the act and part of my personality. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it's so great. Just, I mean, the podcasts are great because your mom's house podcast that he does with his wife, Christina P is, is 
it t- it took a little while for me to kind of get into it because they there's so much like show lingo and so many kind of like inside jokes and they're in like they'll like because they play a lot of videos they play videos of like crazy people basically that they find on youtube of like on their podcast oh yeah so you're like, listening it, to them watching videos so, well they so they also put it on youtube so it is actually a lot better oh, to watch gotcha. it on youtube because then you can see the videos but they they also release it as an audio podcast gotcha. so they understand that like some people are only hearing this so they will kind of describe what it is but but then they'll like like latch on to these weirdos that they find on youtube and then like <laughs> like reference them for weeks you know or or make like like callback jokes almost you know so and- I'm glad so that you brought that up. it can be a little bit, yeah, it can be a little bit like hard to get into because there is there's like so many inside jokes. But that makes it better when you do get into it because you feel like you're in on the jokes. You know, like when you, once you start like getting their references and understanding their lingo and things like that, you almost feel like you're a part of it. So they do they well, just do a really good job of. And um, that's one thing I considered Henry Zabrowski and the last podcast on the left mainly just him because he's really the comedian of the crew, but like they do a a live stream on adult swim and uh, where basically the three of them take turns along with their producer. So it's like four people rotating of just playing goofy ass videos and like doing commentary on them. And, but those things will, we kind of like weasel their way into the, um, last podcast on the left show amongst a few others that they do. And like when you add that element in, it's just, it's so fun and it's so silly and you get to see some of the most bizarre shit. Yep. Yep. Uh, who is your number six? My number six is Chris rock. Oh, interesting. Why Chris rock? I mean, so I will, kind of preface this by saying like i feel like when i talked about you know when you when you first discover someone you know they're not necessarily new and 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 this is especially true for me with chris rock because i don't the first time i remember hearing him was probably like late high school and by that time he had already been around for like 15 years and like but i was just too young you know for most of it for like his early snl Mm -hmm. snl stuff and even his early like i was looking him up and i'm like oh his first stand-up album came out in like 91 while i was in like third or fourth grade you know so man i went cb4 wasn't even on my radar when it came out yeah yeah so but i just feel like um he was just so energetic and so fresh and so um you know the, the social commentary and just he just is such a straight shooter um and just just hit me at the right time to kind of hear that stuff and you know, the, the the one thing I always think, I mean, I would say he is like, he's obviously still a, a, a you know, present stand-up comedian. But like the reason I called Tom Segura my favorite current stand-up comedian is because Chris Rock, I would say, is more in the like cashing checks portion of his <laughs> career. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I'm not like, I'm not saying things. like I'm a fan Later of like on. grown-ups or like the voiceover work he's doing in cartoons or whatever. Like it's very, it's very like a similar kind of career path to Eddie Murphy, um, where it's like they were so big. Blueprint. No, no doubt. But I'm saying like they, they, they got so big and then they kind of like, I mean, 
Chris Rock had Tambourine come out recently, which was good. But but for the most part, he's kind of like gone off of stand up into more like, you know, expanded uh, ventures and things like that. Well, but, I don't think anyone would question that his best stand up stuff was his, some of his earliest. Right. And that's not to take anything away because like, you know, I've heard interviews with him recently or you see him on Instagram or even, like I said, his last special is still really good. Like it's um, he's the kind of person where you just you just see them talk like he has like an energy that you can almost like feel like oh, you, you can and like see it in his eyes or just smile and yeah, that little twinkle. Yeah. It's like that almost is enough to make you laugh for sure because, um, you know, something good is coming. But my favorite, my favorite, like Chris Rock memory is that my freshman year of college, uh, I lived with Fernando, and me and Fernando had, um, we still, this is pre cell phones, obviously, we still had a. Uh, uh, Once again, dating ourselves in the dad corner. Yeah, no doubt, an answering machine that um, took tapes. So we, instead of just saying like, yeah, "Hey, this is uh, Connor and Fernando's room," you know, leave a message. We recorded. Chris Rock on our on our answering machine tape. I can't believe I remember that. That's so goofy. Yeah. So it would be it was the his bit about, you know, getting your salad tossed. And um <laughs> and we would just die laughing because the only person who seemingly ever called us and left a message was our boss, because we worked at the same place. <laughs> we worked at the, the student union building, like in the food service. And so our boss would call, and every time he left us a message, we would just cry laughing. We're like, oh, he had to listen to the Chris Rock bit about getting your salad tossed. And then be like, um, Fernando, this is Dan Lehman from The Sub. I just wanted to let you know that um, Julia said she would, <laughs> she would uh, work, you know, in the dishwashing room for you tomorrow. So you're, you're free to do it, you know. <laughs> After after like a minute and a half of hearing about butts being licked. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I prefer syrup. Oh, gross. <clears throat> what about you? Who's your number six? My number six is Charlie Day. Oh, nice. I had a really tough time uh, figuring out how to parse uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, apparently, I don't. For some reason, I think people don't find it very uh, cool to be into that show anymore. Um, but I think it's the funniest show that's ever been on television. Uh, I still pee my pants laughing at it all the time from the first ep- uh, episode and season right up to the most recent stuff. Um, I like that he is just so like deep into the character and he creates such a lore for it and just like does some of the most disgusting shit and like the the version of living in filth and and uh strange drug habits like huffing paint and stuff and eating cat food (laughs) like just the stuff that he's designed for that character and the delivery of it is so funny and just like he's such a like energetic person and i think that like there's a physical element it's not like a like an overwhelming chris farley physical kind of comedy it's more of like a uh, a punchy physical comedy that like comes at the right moments and just like it makes a joke 20 times funnier when when he delivers it um so and you know he does great stuff in like horrible bosses and um i forget which other movies he was in that one with ice cube actually wasn't that bad um but yeah, all around just super funny, 
uh, raunchy comedy is fucking great when it's delivered by Charlie Day, and he's probably like, I guess he'd be my favorite of the of the fellas from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and uh, <clears throat> you know he just he lives in the character that is hilarious and it's great. Yeah, that. <laughs> your name? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. That yeah, I like that show. I I have not seen every episode. I've only I've probably only seen. The first like there's four, I, and there's dude. It's been on for so long, but I always love Charlie Day because because him, my wife always tells me I, I go from zero to she's like you you go from zero to ten, and I feel like he does the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Like when he just oh, starts shouting talk. about things or yeah. like yeah yeah. Um, uh, he even does that a bit, and and overall is his comedic style, like reacting to things escalates immediately. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. I need to watch. I definitely need to watch more of that show. It's funny because when when we lived in North Carolina, I had a, uh, you know, before I moved to, to Washington, I lived in Connecticut. And I had a friend in Connecticut um, when I lived there, like kindergarten, kindergarten, first grade, second grade. And uh, we were best friends. And and then when we, when we lived in North Carolina, um, you know, in like 2010 or something like that, we we uh, met up because he was living in North Carolina too. My my best friend who I hadn't seen since oh, second grade, shit. right? Yeah, so he Where was in like Charlotte at the time, and so we had we had connected on Facebook like, oh hey, remember we were friends in second grade? And he was like, yeah yeah. <laughs> How did and, that turn uh, out? I mean, it was cool, man. He um we didn't we didn't we didn't like stay in touch after we moved away, but then Facebook like reconnected us and and um he had. I'd kind of kept up with him because he was a really good basketball player. He played um, at university of Vermont and he, he was on the team that uh, knocked out Duke as like a Cinderella um, in the, in the tournament um, one year. So I always kind of knew that about him. And so but, he's an underdog, just like Charlie's character. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is when we, when we met up, it was a little, awkward because it was like okay well we don't really have much to talk about it was like we were kind of just talking about like what life was like for us or whatever and i was asking about other people i remembered from from grade school but the i remember he asked me he goes okay dude here's here's how i would know if we would still be friends do you like it's always sunny in philadelphia (laughs) (laughs) and i was like yeah he's like well then we'd still be friends hey there you go that was that was funny i always i always think about that nice yeah. Uh, did we do your number six already? Yeah, my number six Chris was Chris Rock. Who's my number, your number five, five is Bill Hicks. Oh. Um, and Bill Hicks is, I, I feel like he's like an under the radar comedian. Um, I mean, certainly obviously, for modern like comedian fans. For sure. Because he died in, in 1994. He, he had pancreatic cancer. He was only 32 years old. Um, but like, I really love Bill Hicks and I feel like, you know, for fans of like Bill Burr or even like Carlin, like there's some Carlin to this guy. Like he is, it's razor sharp commentary and the ability to like channel anger into hilarious comedy. (laughs) So like, yeah, he definitely is a part of that lineage. He was, he was like absolutely ahead of his time for a lot of things. And, and I would, so love to just hear what he'd have to say in today's political climate and 
social issues and things like yeah, that. Yeah, it's hard I mean, to pin it where he'd be because, I, you know, if you listen to some of his old stuff and you listen to it in today's context, it's a little problematic in many ways. Oh, uh, yeah. But, like, yeah. you know, you kind of want to believe that he would he would still be uh, pretty critical of both sides of the aisle, so to speak. For sure. For sure. So, I mean, I, I love listening to him. I, I can't even remember how I first heard about him. Um, Fuck, I don't know either. I think I heard about him from you. I was wondering. I think you might still have one of my CDs of his. <laughs> <laughs> I've got several, so. But he's he's awesome. And, like, he, he was even unique, like, at the time. Like, he would open for Tool. Really? Yeah, like, you never hear about a comedian really opening for, like, a rock band. But he would open for Tool, and they even used, like, some of his um they would like sample some of his stuff in some of their songs and they even they used like bits that he would do like incorporated them into some of their lyrics and stuff like that like they were very intertwined i always thought of him as like a funny version of dennis leary well that that's funny you mentioned that dude there's a there's huge which controversy is a very about, dated reference if you're well, not well like, dennis leary ripped him off all the time dennis leary like they they had a huge uh, falling out about dennis leary stealing his shit and there apparently there was a part in a roast where it was I don't know if it was a roast of Dennis Leary or Dennis Leary was just part of the roast, but someone left a carton of cigarettes backstage, or, or maybe someone just made a joke like, "Oh, Dennis, um, there's a carton of cigarettes backstage." Um, you know, Bill Hicks left them for you, and, and there's a note on there that says he wish he got you these a lot sooner. <laughs> and Bill Hicks would even say like in interviews, he's like, "Oh yeah, you know." Um, you know, I've I've stolen stuff from uh, from Dennis Leary, and it, it it's just weird because I stole it before he even did it. You know, he would like he would like uh, hammer the guy in public. Person, and, huh? Yeah, so there there was a, a big controversy about that at the time. So. Interesting. Well, yeah. that makes a whole hell of a lot more sense. Yep. Yep. Who uh, is your number five? My number five is Patton Oswalt. I uh, knew he was going to be on your list somewhere for sure. Man, I. I Basically, from five up, I'm, these are all like potential number ones, with maybe one exception. Uh, and it was really hard not to have him higher up the list. But uh, he's just his stand-ups are so funny. And if you listen to his stand-up albums, um, they just go sequentially more and more funny. Uh, and I love that he brings in uh, some political elements, some really goofy elements. For my money, he's probably the best, like, self-deprecating comedian there is. Um, like, being a, a chubby nerd, uh, he <laughs> is the best at at expressing that. Uh, and yeah. I, I just, I think he's so goddamn funny. And he's such a genuine person. Uh, if you, if anyone has seen the I'll Be Gone in the Dark documentary um, about his wife and her book and how he ends up narrating a lot of things and 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 being very uh revealing about his own life it just adds so much more emphasis to the comedic side and uh i don't know if you've ever seen any movies with him in it have you ever seen big fan no i haven't even heard he of does it. this like this isn't uh, necessarily a funny movie but he's in a movie with michael rapaport i think it is called big fan where he's a uh Eagles fan or Giants fan and the other actors, you, you know, the rival and 
it's an escalating situation and it's just like really dark, but I love that he brings dark elements into his comedy all the time and, um, goes from, he just, he can cover so many different things. One of my favorite things that he tells about in one of his specials is how you were talking earlier about David Spade being a real cocksucker when it came to, uh, performing at your school, because he's Mm -hmm. just like made it real obvious that he didn't care. Pat Oswalt did a, a thing where he didn't really have to tell a joke or anything, but it was not by his own choosing. He, and it was actually in Washington at the Muckleshoot casino where, and I won't totally spoil it, but basically he told like, he like said his name and the crowd was so drunk that they were just cheering and cheering and cheering. And he barely had to do anything and walked off for like five figures or something. <laughs> And it's great. Like he just has, it's almost like an element of his personality in in examples like that, where he kind of stumbles into things, but he's just so freaking funny and it just gets funnier and funnier. And like his wife dying is part of his most recent, uh, I think the second most recent comedy special he did. And he turns that into just comedy gold. He takes the darkest stuff. He is the exemplar of how stand up comedy happens for so many people where you'll hear comics talk all the time about how like they're basically like trying to create some sort of catharsis for the things they've gone through or go through in life by doing comedy and expressing themselves that way and he just like kind of came to the ultimate point of that yeah it's incredible it's incredible to to think about what what he's gone through and how he is able to, to you know turn that into comedy i mean that's really really incredible to think about yeah and i think that only speaks to his comedic ability who's did you do your number five what are we on i'm uh number four number four uh my number four is ricky gervais nice another Uh, another one i had pegged for you yeah uh so his most Mm -hmm. recent uh stand-up special wasn't so great and he's had a few movies that really fucking flopped but i will always Love his work uh, from creating The Office to Extras, um, the really heartfelt, like weird, like hit you in the feels comedy, like Derek and some of the stuff that he's done on Netflix. It's just, it's crazy. Like, I don't know of anyone who mixes, with the exception of maybe my number one that I'll get to, that mixes such intense, deep emotions with comedy and like has you laughing while you're crying. It's just amazing. And if you want something really funny, you got to look up the Ricky Gervais show. Most of it, I think actually all of it is on YouTube. It's him and Steven Merchant who co-created the office interviewing, uh, their former like assistant slash like uh, tech guy, Carl Pilkington, who is yeah. now, I was going to say an idiot abroad is one of my favorites, abroad. uh, yeah. but it's the first thing that they did with them. And it's them basically doing what amounts to a podcast. Uh, but the show is an animated version yeah. of them yep. talking and conversing. And it's just fucking so funny. Just the way yeah. that they clown on Carl Pilkington is, is unbelievably funny. Like I have cried laughing in almost every episode. <laughs> Who's your number awesome. four? My number four is Mike Judge. Ah, I considered Mike Judge. Yeah. Yes, yes. So I would say I'm I'm more um, obviously Beavis and Butt-Head was my first introduction um, and another show that like takes me back to your basement for sure <laughs> because my parents didn't always have MTV so 
um watching that was always like at a friend's house and that you were usually the friend yeah um, the high life with mtv uh, the yeah action, man like five channels so so beavis and butthead but like office space is one of my all-time favorites idiocracy is one of my all-time favorites which yeah, who knows could be a documentary from the future i'm not sure yet um so from the present more like <laughs> so yeah i need to i need to spend more time with like king of the hill i haven't I, i've watched it um i haven't watched all of it i've watched it here and there you know um but king of the hill is something i'd like to spend more time with and in silicon valley like one of his newer shows i watched season one and absolutely loved it and then for whatever reason, like stopped subscribing to HBO or something like that. But that's another show I need to catch up on for sure. Oh but. man, if you're a Mike Judge fan, uh, you got to look into the series he did about um, country music singers. Oh really? Yeah, it's. It, I've only seen like one episode, but it is amazing. I I, I want to say it was like not Gene Autry. It's later on. It's like Hank Williams or somebody or somebody really controversial like George Jones or something. But I think he did a whole series of, of documentary stuff about uh, country Western singers. Great. Nice. Yeah. I'll check that out for sure. Love Mike judge. Uh, what's your number three. So number three is a little bit like off the board. Like I don't think um, people would normally think of this person, but uh, it's John Hughes. And ah. I mean, this guy. Yeah, you went a little bit more creator side than. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean, but I mean, you just look at the like the movies he made in the '80s and early '90s, like, and and he wrote most of them, if not all of these. But you know, all the vacation movies, um, yeah. which Christmas Vacation is one of my all-time favorites. I watch it like twice every Christmas. Um, Home Alone is the other one which he wrote too. Um, but like 16 candles breakfast club yeah i was Paris gonna Bueller. say didn't he do like uh pretty in pink yeah 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 um, those were like all his like trains and automobiles style, uncle buck dutch like just i mean those are if if i listed my top 50 movies like those are pretty much all in there <laughs> uh, and they're not like not all of those are like gut busters like but in terms of like they definitely made me laugh at the time i mean home alone and christmas vacation and Planes, trains, and automobiles, like those still make me laugh really hard. Whereas some of the other ones are more like nostalgia, but they still have funny, funny bits and things like that. But, but at the time, I mean, when I, when I first saw them, when I was 12, 13 years old, like I loved them. And, um, so just, just like that mountain of work. Quantity and volume of output is definitely uh, a big factor in his appeal for sure. Absolutely. And like, and like obviously a lot goes into making a movie funny, but I mean it has to start with good writing, you know, and, and he wrote all oh, yeah. scripts. So Well, it's funny that you had him for your number three. And speaking of volume, my number three plays an integral role in John Hughes' success, which is John Candy. Oh yes, dude. I love John Candy. I think Uncle Buck is one of the fucking funniest movies. Um, he he mixes so many great things, like a little bit of smarmy, a little bit of physical comedy, a little bit of goofy. And for me, when it comes to like the conversation about all those 80s guys, like from Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd was hard to leave off, Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, um, 
you know, any of the people that appear in the John Hughes movies and appear in anything that's funny, Chevy Chase, even like that was probably one of the hardest ones for me to leave off. But John Candy, for my money, always steals is a show stealer, just like Catherine Hahn, just like a lot of other people. It's very much a show stealer when it comes to acting and comedic delivery. Like, and and my, my favorite comedy, where it might be spoiling a list for later, uh, is National Lampoon's Family Vacation. I think yeah. it's the, the funniest movie ever made. And he is like the icing on the cake for that movie as yeah. the like security guard at Wall World. Just oh man. The the aloof and like sort of dorky guy that just like gets taken for a loop. It's fucking great. Dude, he, I, Uncle nobody Buck can sell it is like a, so funny. And it and holds it, up. It holds up and it like it makes me laugh so hard, even like in different ways as I get older, because I'll be like, you know, I've got 10 nieces and nephews. And, and so sometimes I'll be like, uh, you know, how old is uh, so-and-so? And, you know, Cheryl will be like, um, 15. I'm like, wait, 15? Man, I thought they were like 11, you know? I'm like four years off. And so just, I always think about the scene where he's like, they asked him to come babysit and he's like driving there and he's trying to, he's trying to remember their names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is just so damn funny. And then he, like, when he talks about like, yeah, you know, I've been eating a lot of cheese. I've been kind of backed up. How's your plumbing here? I've been eating a lot of cheese lately. I feel like a big mouse. Just you know? so crass. It's fucking great. Oh. God, yeah. It's, that movie is so good. Uh, who's your number two? My number two is Chris Farley. Yep. Um, uh, you already uh, talked about him, but, like, man, for my money, the Matt Foley motivational speaker is, like, the number one SNL skit of all time, and it's not even close. <laughs> like, that thing is so funny. Like, I mean, I, I can watch it over and over again. I have, and I, I watch it to this day, and it just cracks me up, even though you know all the lines. But even just watching, like, the, the other characters and watching them, like, have to, like, stifle their own laughter. And doesn't that just highlight the thing I mentioned at the beginning of our episode about not really being into modern SNL? It's really says something when you have a single individual who's so funny that he can easily overshadow many years of casts on that show particularly yeah. recent ones uh not to you know knock anybody who's actually funny on some of those like keenan or anybody but uh um he just like that one person just was a titan in comedy in in a show that has so many huge names like chevy chase dan Aykroyd, chris chris rock eddie, eddie murphy. murphy there's so many yeah. but like man something about his presence right no doubt i mean yeah and then just like yeah the, like the physical comedy you talked about the chippendale audition the you know breaking tables or um <laughs> acting like <laughs> a lunch lady or, one of the funniest things i've ever seen and then you read about i mean we talked about like the childlike quality of him but then you just read about like he's one of these comedians you know there's there's some comedians who you know you wouldn't know they were a comedian if you if you just kind of like saw them, you know, out in public or something like that. But in, with him, it from just reading interviews from other people and things like that, it sounded like he just lived to make everyone laugh all the time. And you hear stories about like how gross he was, like in <laughs> on you know behind the scenes at SNL, like taking shits in people's offices and things like that, or you know, just like oh man, like that. <laughs> 
Well, and I love that you can compare him to his predecessors like John Belushi and people like that and how he took it so much further, but you you definitely don't hear of anyone matching that ever since. It's great. No, no, that's a great point. And I think, like, um, SNL has kind of always had this um, reputation of being like, oh, it's, it's not as good as it used to be. Like, people have literally said that for, like, 30 years you know so we're not like <laughs> unique in saying that i think everyone I, I would bet that most everyone's favorite snl skit is something they saw like when they were 13 or something you know what yeah, i mean probably true i still but i would also guess that like stuff. if i called my 16 year old niece right now and asked her you know name someone on saturday night live right now she probably couldn't do it <laughs> you know what yeah, i mean I like lost, I, I do think like for sure yeah just um well, like fighting for airtime there's so many more yeah uh, not to get into weeds avenues, of the but, current landscape but with yeah. all the other options out there and the popularity of all the other streaming services and stuff it's hard for snl to stay quite as relevant yeah who's your number two my number two uh was a really tough pick but it's caitlin olson from always sunny in philadelphia oh nice i think she is hands down one of the funniest people, by far the funniest woman uh, in acting and comedy. Uh, her physical comedy is just so ridiculous. I point to there's an episode of Always Sunny in one of the earlier seasons. I think it's like season two or three where she forces a girl's night out with uh, two of the other characters and she's trying to like run out of a shoe store because her card gets declined and she just fucking hobbles and trips and headbutts goes headfirst into a car door and bashes it in. Just thinking about it makes me laugh. And every time I watch the scene, I laugh out loud. Like it's, she's so funny that I can have watched the scene a hundred times and I still laugh out loud at it. Um, and this is a good opportunity for me to, do one of my honorable mentions, which is Kate McKinnon. Cause I think she's one of the yeah. funniest women on the planet. And I feel bad that I left her off the list, but like she would probably be either in Catherine Hahn or Caitlin Olson's spot for me. Um, if, if I had a bigger body of work, which is kind of an ironic thing to say because Caitlin Olson, like isn't really known for much other than always sunny, but I feel like she's the premier cast member of that. She's like, she steals the show all the time. It's been on for nearly 20 seasons at this point, uh, or, you know, close to, they're in the double digits, so they've made it a long way, and just, I can't stop laughing at her. Her delivery, her physical comedy, uh, her expressiveness as a comedian, Mm -hmm. a comedian, and also, like, being a lady on a show that is, like, very much centered around the dudes, and is very much, like... You know, she she buys in really hard. She she doubles down on that typecast, uh, a potentially typecast character, and just makes it funny. She just makes everything funny. Like yeah. they could write it as good as they can, but they'll you'll even hear interviews with uh, other people that work with her, and they'll just be like, she takes it and makes it her own. She takes it to the next level. It's just so funny. How about you? Who's your number two? I did Chris Farley. So we're, we're, we're oh, at yeah, the uh, right. breaking point now here. Give me, give me some of your more. Of give me a few of your, a few more of your honorable mentions. Well, I had already talked about a few like Chevy Chase and Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, Steve Carell was a big consideration for me. 
Jim Gaffigan's hilarious. John Oliver, um, one that really was tough to not include was Mindy Kaling, but I think I like her more for her writing. And I also, there was, um, the Mindy project wasn't for me, like a really hit that well. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, I mean, I'm also not a woman. So like, I think that like some of the jokes and some of the circumstances would resonate more with female viewers. Uh, and you know, I probably need to get over that fact to really enjoy it a little bit more, but she is such, uh, just a funny comedian and a great fantastic writer. She does a ton. She did a ton of writing for the office. Uh, uh yeah. yeah. I think it's overshadowed by a lot of the other performances and a few of the other writers. Um, but uh, the other two that were probably the most difficult for me to leave off were Danny DeVito, um, <laughs> which he has he has his foot in two worlds for me. Like one with the like twins throw mama the tra- from the train, like 80s comedy stuff and the really goofy shit and some serious acting like, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Uh, but then he's like one of the best raunchy comedians in Always Sunny. Like I'll never get the image of him fucking climbing out of a leather couch naked uh always sunny philadelphia is so funny but the other one that was really on the fringe and hard to leave off was john cleese uh when it comes to like like uh serious longevity in comedy really inventive and something that still has probably never really been reproduced uh the he was just the heart of that monty python stuff and for me was the funniest out of that whole troop um even though eric idol is funny and and a lot of the other dudes are so hilarious and their deliveries are so unique john cleese was just something above and beyond the rest and his stuff in faulty towers was hilarious his bits in now for something completely different ministry of the silly walks and all that. It's just really, mm-hmm. really goofy for goofy comedy. The, there's almost no one better, but um, how about you? Who are your honorable mentions? Yeah. I talked about Mark Proch a little bit at the top. Kenny, Kenny K Strass, the yo-yo man, um, <laughs> Tina Fey and Kristen Wiig were tough to leave off. Um, David Letterman is like, like, I feel like we owe David Lerman for giving us kind of the top 10 list format. Oh, yeah. Um, he, he can, he's another guy who can just make me laugh, like, with his smile, you know? Um, yeah, I'm kidding. Nobody's, he's got an iconic smile. Yeah. George Carlin, always, like, I've always had, like, a little soft spot for George Carlin because my parents saw him on their honeymoon, and I've always thought that was, like, really oh, cool. Um, another guy who I would just love to that hear like what he has to say. Dude, that makes so much sense for your parents. Yeah, dude, for sure. My, uh, There's <laughs> they, they went to, they went to Disneyland in, a, you know, in Anaheim and then they drove over to Vegas and saw George Carlin. Um, Ooh. yeah. And there's a, yeah. Um, Eddie Murphy, Sasha Baron Cohen, um, Bill Murray, John Mulaney. Those were, those were really John tough, Mulaney, really? tough cuts. I love John Mulaney because, well, um, you know, he did a lot of writing on SNL. And then he, for me, his his comedy specials are excellent, but also like um, he plays it pretty clean. And um, I think that that is like tough to do. Um, oh, it definitely but, is. And this is where I'm going to take a dump on your choice and say that I don't think he's funny at all. Really? <laughs> for me, I'd go with someone more like a Mike Birbiglia. I like I like Mike Birbiglia too, but. 
Uh, the John Mulaney, he's a big one for you, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. I love just I love his uh, um, like just his his charisma, and he is, he also has like he has kind of a dark history. Like he had struggled with drugs and alcohol, and he's sober oh. now. And yeah, um, and so he kind of talks about that, but like you you would never know it because he he has this almost like choir boy kind of persona to him, but um. Yeah, I I love him. I think he's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, he, he looks like he was on the the crew team at a B level <laughs> college. Yeah, so. yeah. All right. Uh, Who's, do you want to do you want to recap? One? You want to recap? Like, give me a, a quick uh, ten to two, and then and then give your number one. Oh yeah, I went. Well, I started with Abbott, great black metal musician. I went Chris Farley, Catherine Hahn, a tie between Simon Pegg and Tom Segura. Then we had. Charlie Day at the midpoint, Pat Oswalt, Ricky Gervais, John Candy, and Kaylin Olson, who almost made it to my number one if it had not been for Zach Galifianakis. Oh, nice. <laughs> I laughed so hard that I cried and couldn't breathe when I watched Due Date. Uh, the silly characters that he does and so many things, like when he does his twins thing where he's like seth or whatever is his yeah. what his name is is just so <laughs> friggin ridiculous and uh the one thing i would recommend for anyone who has not seen it or wants to get a little more zach galvanakis is his stand-up dvd i um, the name is escaping me now of course i should have had this as a note but he does a stand-up um where he like plays the piano it has like it, it looks like kind of a hippie kind of because it's in San Francisco yeah. or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's like live live at the Purple Onion or something. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, and uh, it's it's amazing because he hits all of the. He's a very versatile comedian, I think. Um, he hits all of the different notes in that stand-up special. Like he's playing the piano, and he's actually fantastic at the piano. He's mm-hmm. playing this beautiful thing, and then he'll just say the most crude shit, and like there's one that I, that always gets me. It's so stupid, but it's so funny where he's like, uh, his dad says something to the effect of like, you can always help people remember your name by telling them that it starts with a gal and ends with a kiss. Gal and kiss. And he's like, yeah, dad, why couldn't it have been gal fuck? <laughs> and just like, it's so stupid, but it's so funny. And that kind of encapsulates his comedic style is that like he just makes the stupidest things so funny. But also, I will point back to movies like Due Date, where like, and even the first Hangover, where of course he made that movie popular uh, mm-hmm. with its like ridiculousness. And, and some of it seems really campy now, but the emotional moments are sold so well. And you just like, you're like, oh, God damn, like I really feel bad for this guy. Like he's really yeah. hurt. And then he turns it right back around and like flutters his hair back a little and, and goes right back into being goofy. And like, I think there's few actors that can go from zero to 60 that way from serious and, and empathetic or, or, or sympathetic rather, and then go into just like goofy and irreverent, like on the drop of a dime. Uh, and for me, that makes him just the funniest motherfucker ever. And, uh, there's a, a show he has called Baskets. It's a recent one he's done that is just so funny. Like if you haven't checked it out, you absolutely have to. He's like a guy whose dream is to become a clown. 
oh, which okay. in and of itself is so stupid. And they're like, how could anyone make a show around that? Of course, Zach Galvanakis can. Yeah. I, I love the Between Two Ferns series, but oh, I thought the movie not. was like forced and yeah, the movie kinda had to underwhelmed. fight my way no. through it. They yeah. think they stretch the joke a little much, but like, especially that Steve Carell episode of uh, Between Two Ferns, where Zach is insisting he's not that fat. Uh, <laughs> just so great. It, do yourself a favor. Watch all of those. Yeah, those are great. So <laughs> recap yours and give me your number yeah. one, buddy. So I had Norm MacDonald, number 10, Mitch Hedberg, Will Ferrell, Tom Segura, Chris Rock, Bill Hicks, Mike Judge, John Hughes, Chris Farley. And my number one, is Larry David. Oh, okay. I was wondering where that whole uh, line of comedy was going to come in. Yeah, so like obviously Seinfeld. Actually, one of my one of my first Seinfeld memories actually involves your family too. I'm pretty sure it was your family. Um, yeah, my family's yeah. TV habits have shaped you. No, well, yeah, sort of. So it was, I, I remember being in like sixth grade. So I wasn't, I wasn't, watching the show yet but my parents obviously were watching it you know live and i remember um they i i think i think it was your parents don't quote me on this but i remember my parents well, talking we were at we were at school like uh yeah exactly we were at school for like a after school function or something and i remember my parents talking to someone um about a seinfeld episode and uh they were talking about like the master of your domain episode and they said something about, you know, the, they must've called it like the masturbation episode or something like that. But me like not watching the show obviously yet and not even really knowing like what masturbation was yet. I, I remember asking my mom, like, what were you talking about? The master bedroom episode? And she's like, no, no, don't, don't worry about it. And uh, <laughs> You'll it's figure funny it how, out like, little things like that, like stick in your mind, you know? Um, but I mean, I think I, I think I started watching Seinfeld like in high school. I definitely, I mean, I definitely remember watching in high school. Maybe, maybe I dipped my toe in a little bit earlier than that, but you know, kind of watching the later seasons of it um, live as they came out, and then um, kind of going back to watch, you know, the, the earlier seasons and things like that. But I mean, it's still a show I watch to this day. I'll, I'll flip on the TV and turn it on, and it's obviously dated in terms of, you know, no cell phones, like the the way that they dress, everything like that. But the the storylines and like the comedy like definitely lives up, which you can't say about most shows from from that time period or you know, a lot of shows earlier even. Um so it, it holds up and I think um and then and then when I saw Curb Your Enthusiasm, um it's so obvious like Larry David plays himself in that show and it's so obvious that that like he's George, you know, like he is the the Costanza in in, in Seinfeld, um, which I like very much relate to, and so just like the fact that this guy has, has done, you know, made two of my all time favorite shows, which we'll we'll get to in a, another episode, but um, you know that when you talk body of work, I mean those two runs he's been on, I mean. Um, just so so many great shows, and the fact that they they hold up so well says a lot about his ability to to write comedy. So 
Yeah, no kidding. Fun fact about Seinfeld, I actually stole the first couple seasons of that from a place I worked at on DVD. Ooh. I will not mention wow. the name of it here, because I'm not going to incriminate myself that much. I bet I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic list, man. There's some fu- fucking funny people on there. Now I just yeah. want to go and watch movies and get stoned and laugh at it. Yeah, yeah, man. Nothing, nothing it would be a laughing. good remedy for the current landscape, wouldn't it? Uh, no doubt. No doubt. Well, that's all we got. So, all right. Yeah, that's all I got too. Looks like we're at the end of the end of the road. Uh, another fun list of all our favorite things. Uh, not too much dad corner, although we did date ourselves many times with VHSs and 30, 40 year old references. But uh, if you're interested in our podcast and want to hear more, you can download us at all the all the places, all the things, iTunes, all that good stuff. Uh, follow us at WeRankThings.com. Give us yeah. a little shout. Uh, we're on we're on Twitter. Are we on uh, Twitter? What's our Twitter? Oh yeah, account? we're on Twitter. At well, um, let me let me just double check this. Let's double uh, check. Con- if you want to get us on Twitter, Connor can answer you on Twitter because I don't believe in Twitter. I got Twitter. And I'm not yeah. going to share my Instagram with you. Nope. Um, at we rank things on Twitter. Yeah. Let's see. Go hit it. Tell us what we, you think. We have your... 13 followers, so let's. Who's, let's a, who's the funniest person for you? Let's not let's not spout like that's a good thing or something to be proud of. Let's uh, <laughs> you know, save a little bit of the magic from the air. Hey, maybe we'll do an episode top 10 followers on Twitter. Yeah, it's gonna we'll, you're gonna we'll be list all of them. really mad when you get left out the three of you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, see you next time. See you, buddy. You can subscribe to the We Rank Things podcast on iTunes, so go to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. You and all your friends can also find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can find more info about us on our podcast at WeRankThings.com, and you can let us know what you think about our rankings at WeRankThings on Twitter or at WeRankThingsPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to the We Rank Things podcast.